0: The spirit decides, you know, you can tell the spirit behind something, you know, so it's like, you know, you know, when uh, something is coming from a real place of genuine enthusiasm and like, you know, um, positivity and where something's coming from a place of like anxiety and desperation and exploitation, (laughs) you know, it's like you can you can sense it, you know, so yeah.
1: Welcome to Why Not Both, the podcast all about how our multiple passions shape our identity and our lives. I'm your host, Pam Schaefer, and our producer is Laura Studeris. This season, we are brought to you by Under the Radar Magazine. If you like what you hear, you can head over to our Patreon to support us directly and get transcripts of all of our episodes, or you can come hang out with us on your favorite social media platforms, where we can be found under WNB the podcast. For this week's interview, we got to spend some time with writer and musician Cadence Weapon. I hope that you enjoy our chat. Well, welcome to Why Not Both, where our computers are begrudgingly allowing us to speak to one another. I love it. (laughs) How are you doing today? What have you been up to?
0: Oh my goodness. Um, You know, I've had some, this isn't my first Zoom of the day
1: ah are you in like a press cycle right now where you're doing all of the interviews and whatnot or
0: Uh, a little bit yeah I mean I have my book coming out at the end of May I don't know when this is going to drop but um it actually wasn't even related to that it's is you know I think it's a really fitting podcast that I'm on right now because I do a lot of different things and one of the things I was just talking about is this thing called uh, the Atkinson Foundation here in in Canada. Um, they're like a I think their main focus would be like high journalistic principles and they um they contribute funding to people. and basically, um we were talking about me being their artist in resonance. Wow, yeah.
1: what would that entail?
0: Um, well, we're hammering out the details, but it seems like you know, just talking about basically doing what I'm doing already. Um, they just want to support me. Um, you know, I'm, I, I'm in my music, you know, I talk about politics and stuff, and especially like civic politics in Toronto and Ontario and Canada. And yeah, they just want to like help me continue making the music I'm making, but also to collaborate with people and also just you know, get people excited about some of the, um, the concepts that they work behind, including, you know, decent work and workers rights and stuff. And that, that's a lot of where my music is going right now too, is these themes of, you know, I want to make gig worker anthems, you know?
1: I love that. And I love that people want to support that. Like that's, that was why I was like, oh, my heart, people funding art.
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel really lucky. It's it's uh, it's a rare thing. I mean, Canada, we're pretty good about that. I mean, we have like a lot of different grant opportunities that probably all your favorite artists have uh, gone to the well on uh, many times, but um, yeah, I feel like just at this point in my career, I'm feeling very supported.
1: And as like, I mean, as artists, we're kind of like the ultimate gig workers.
0: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> hello, what's a gig? <laughs> the show you know it's the first gig
1: it's like we quite literally i was like so we were like the first gig workers like our first album's the best like
0: (laughs) yeah exactly it's like it's like oh yeah you know i I like their older stuff
1: yeah i have you heard of gig work i mean i heard of them like years ago but like i mean (laughs) maybe now like the rest of everyone has caught on it's the whole thing
0: (laughs) no but it's true i really feel like that like whenever um you know i read articles about you know all these tech companies and like you know uber and like people having you know working all these different ways it's like i feel um such a kinship with them you know because it's like the the stuff i do over the span of a day none of it is making music usually (laughs) like it's like really weird like i'm my own like administrative assistant you know like i you know, I'm just firing off emails, you know, doing, you know, like, like, you know, for my book, like putting together like the playlist so you can listen along and read the book at the same time. And like, I, I just do every, nearly every aspect of of my music. It comes directly from me.
1: Yeah. And
0: then actually right after this podcast, I'm going to go across town and I'm going to record and make some music.
1: Yes, <laughs> that's, that's frankly, I, I realize that sometimes i being an artist as well, where it's like. I get, oh, there's a very loud plane ahead. I was like, I don't know if you can hear that over the No, I couldn't hear it. Ooh, I was just like, spicy. Wonder what that was. Um, I'm in Los Angeles. So occasionally something will fly overhead where you're just like, movie, real, movie and Uh real, helicopter, question mark? Uh (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, strange things in the sky um but I get so excited when I get to actually do the music part of being a musician uh because there's so many other things involved and even like you said where like your creative and political expression are taking so many forms but then there's the logistics around those forms that when you actually get to delve into the creative bit of it I sometimes feel like I'm like oh what a treat absolutely
0: (laughs) oh my gosh I you know it's one of those things that um you forget how enriching it is for you when you don't get to do it as often. You know, like, I mean, that's the whole point of everything I'm doing is I just wanna make music. Uh, And it's usually, you know, the last thing I get to. But I mean, I had an opportunity just over February, uh, I was actually in LA for the whole month. Um, And I was just recording, I was just doing sessions, like hanging out with people and just being solely creative. Um, And I just kind of left everything to the side. And that was so enriching. And it's just like, even like after doing the first track, I was just like, ah, yes, that feeling. Yeah, that's why I do this. You know, that's it's it's that feeling of uh, I'm doing the right thing for myself, you know?
1: Yes, that feeling of like, ah, yes, this is an alignment. I like this.
0: It's like eating healthy or something. Like it's like having a vegetable and you're just like, oh, damn, you know what? I did need that.
1: That's how I feel whenever I I love going for hikes around the city. Um, and it's always right before I'm always like, oh, is this worth the effort? And then in the middle I'm like, this is a hundred and ten percent worth the effort.
0: That's <laughs> totally true. That's like for me, um, running is like that. I'm I'm like a big jogger. And um actually, yeah, my whole last album, Parallel World, like I came up with all the lyrics while running. Mm-hmm. Like I, I find it very creatively um charging the whole process of like the forward momentum or something um but it's like when I haven't done it for a long time then I do like a big like 10k run or something like I'm like oh yeah like the endorphins like I'm feeling it
1: yes I mean, it sounds like, I'm curious if the things that you do kind of fuel each other, because it sounds like they do kind of dovetail with one another, but do you feel that way? Like if you're working, say on like the book that's coming out, does it then like kind of in the back of your mind, you have like music kind of fomenting there when, you know, you're running, are you thinking like, oh, here's this other way I can express this idea. Like when you're doing one thing, does it help kind of fuel the other?
0: I think now, yeah, I I don't think it always was like that. Like, I feel like I used to have everything very segmented in my mind but now everything is very interconnected. Like, um, you know, I was working on the book at the same time as uh, my last album. So I was like, you know, writing songs at night, usually recording at night. And then during the day, like I just get up, get a glass of water. And I just be like typing away, working on a book, you know, and I realized like, I would, you know, the book is kind of, it's pretty much a memoir, Mm -hmm. you know, I just talk about just how my career has gone, just like previous albums and my experiences in the Canadian music industry. Mm -hmm. And what I realized as I was doing it, um, it really informed the music I made for the future. You know, just really going back, looking at like old emails, thinking about like how I handle certain situations. Mm -hmm. It really made me think of like, oh, well, I want to get back into the spirit of how I felt when I first made music. You know, it reminded me of just being like a teenager in my my mom's attic, and just getting back to that like childlike feeling of just like having fun creating, and
1: yeah. I feel like
0: it really paid off on this record.
1: Yeah, well, that I mean, it sounds like in a way, like your younger self kind of became like your mentor in that way, which is kind of fun.
0: Oh, that's my little buddy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The
0: <laughs> I try to keep. I keep him uh, in in my heart whenever I can.
1: That's cool. Like thinking about it that way of like reflecting backward helped you kind of like reflect forward. And I was curious how that, you know, when you had said that like the organization that's like helping fund you was like speaking of like journalistic stuff. I was like, did you then research like other people in in the music industry to do research industry itself kind of that was happening around you or like, yeah, I was just curious about that.
0: Oh, yeah. No, I did a little bit. Yeah. I mean, um, so much of the book is about just the scene around me at the time. And, you know, I I go back when I used to live in Montreal and, you know, I was like really a part of this music scene where it was just like my neighbors were Grimes and Mac DeMarco and like Tops and all these different bands and just kind of being in that milieu. And, you know, it felt like our lives were a movie and something, you know, and at the time I was like, somebody should write a book about what's happening. And I didn't realize at the time it would be me doing it.
1: you'd be writing the book you're just like ah oh
0: (laughs) yeah like I mean so so much of it is just not actually even just about me it's really just a reflection on I guess almost like a period of time and and a specific place
1: how do you feel like that specific time and place informed kind of the different trajectories of everyone you mentioned including yourself because it, it sounds almost like what I imagined was I mean, I don't actually play pool, so this might be a terrible analogy, but I imagined like, you know, whatever happens when someone hits the, the white ball and it makes all the balls go in the different directions and they all do exciting, spicy things. Um, that's what I imagined, is you're all in this little time and space. And then I was like, you
0: That's exactly right. I mean, for me at the time, what I realized was, you know, I used to listen to, I, I listened to so much music and I've always read all these oral histories and like, Um, you know, biographies about musicians and just about their scenes and stuff. And I started seeing parallels between them and what was happening at at the moment in Montreal. And then I started thinking, it's like, okay, well, it's like, I can kind of see who in our scene is going to be like a cult classic artist who's going to be rediscovered like 20 years from now, or like who's Mm -hmm. going to be like the Bob Dylan of the scene or whatever, like, you know, just kind of like picturing all this stuff, Mm -hmm. you know? And it was just weird because I was doing it in the moment, like while we were living our lives and stuff.
1: That's always a strange moment when you start, I was talking to a friend about this last night, like, I mean, we all tell ourselves the stories of our lives anyway, that's how we make sense of things, but like, that in a way, some of us are prone to almost like mythologizing and especially with social media and with the ability to encapsulate things that it's like, you can have like the life that you're experiencing, but then also you have like the mythology of what you're experiencing as well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I definitely felt like maybe we had a bit of the main character syndrome <laughs> going or something, you know, like, well, it really did feel like that, though. It was crazy. It was like, you know, you know, there was just a, a big happening occurring like every other day. And like, there's just so much like cinematic energy to it. You know, it's just like, damn, like life is crazy. And it was only like that for like a few years in that yeah. specific time. Like, I've never felt like that ever since or before. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I feel like that whole like, way of thinking, I'm really like rejecting that right now, just in general, like, I'm really trying to like, remove myself as much from the process. And as I possibly can, I mean, like, obviously, like, I'm, I'm speaking with you. And that's great. But I feel like just the idea of just social media in general, and just how, you know, I have to do this stuff to promote my book and my music and everything. But <clears throat> I'm really trying to protect the, um the real me. Yeah. You know, and in in I'm feeling I'm I'm kind of losing a sense of like my true identity through you know the 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 way that I have to project myself as an artist so often. Yeah. You know, I and I want I I feel like I don't know if you relate to that or.
1: Yes. Yes, there's definitely there's a dualism about it of like you do want to share your art you want to share your music you want to share like in the same way like even like in the creation of this podcast like I want to share people's ideas and of course like I'm hosting it so there's a part of me that wants to share my own as well otherwise I wouldn't be here <laughs> 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 but there's that protective aspect of there are things that I do believe like for instance like I don't post about like my personal life online um, and even to the extent of like you know I'll occasionally, write like, you know, after I was at an event, I might write about it, or I might post about it, but I never post when I'm actually where I am,
0: Mm, Yeah,
1: I'm in space. Um, And like, I'm very private about like, who I'm close friends with, who I date, like things like that, because I don't want to then have to be almost like battling these versions of myself that other people have created or that even I've had a hand in creating. Um,
0: Absolutely. I mean, that's a big dilemma. You know, it's like for me, the whole like uh, fame and people being interested in what you're doing is just like a byproduct of the fact that you make something, right? Yes. It's not, it was not really a big interest of mine, of why I got into making music or whatever. It was just like the expression was the number one thing for me. Yeah. And I've just been struggling to navigate like the other side of it, you know, where it's just not really. My vibe at all you know like it's like people you know it's nice people coming up to me like and being like oh I like your thing or whatever like you know it's it's nice to have people appreciate it and resonate with what you're doing but it's yeah. also just you know I'm trying to be normal person you know and I'm just trying to like you know balance that out but also I want to be able to say I've done everything I possibly can to promote my work and put it out there and you know I, I want to leave everything on the table um but you know I also want to protect myself too so I'm just navigating that
1: now yeah and especially like you had said about how you know everybody had main character syndrome but y'all are main characters so like in a way I'm just like well it's a little of column a a little of column b but like you you really you know everybody in that constellation does take up their own space. Um, but yeah, it is, it's a difficult one to navigate. I was reflecting even that you mentioned Grimes and like thinking about the interview that was published with her, was it Vanity Fair where like the author, like, uh, Mm, there and like accidentally discovered that like Grimes had a daughter, like things like that, where it's like, you know, how do you, how do you protect things like that? How do you have your life away from other people? Not because you're hiding something, not that it's like a horrible secret or anything like that, but how do you just like lead your life
0: (laughs) of course I mean you know yeah it's all about privacy it's how much privacy you want to have you know like it's like how much do I want to let people in on my relationship like there's certain stuff that I want to just keep for myself right and and but then it's also like you know I don't want to be inauthentic or something (laughs) you know it's like I have this honestly I've been just doing all this like mental calculus with this stuff so much and it's like with somebody like Claire like she um I suspect she had a an inkling that her child would have been discovered yes. upstairs crying you know it's like so i mean i i feel like um you know people uh people construct their own reality for sure yes. you know it's like you can decide what you what what how much of yourself you want to give to people
1: yes especially if you're inviting someone like into your home things like that like I've only done even for the pod, like prior to the pandemic was when I had started it because I was very curious about talking to people in multiple fields. Like I I do music as you might've done it. <laughs> um, when I'm not doing that, I also, I had had a solo therapy practice and now I run a group practice where I train other therapists. And so I've always been kind of like in, in both realms. And I was just like, oh, there must be other people who are in multiple realms. Why don't I chat with them? Um, and if you had said to me, at the start of 2020, you're going to speak to over a hundred people, but through your laptop about so many things, you're also going to be trapped inside. I'd be like, "hmm, what? I guess <laughs> like, like I just started this journey to see if other people had multiple creative paths
0: <laughs> like, <laughs> Oh I mean, I feel like you know, I think we're gonna look back on this time and realize that it was actually a really creatively catalyzing event, you know, for a lot of people. Like I, I, you know, for me, like it was, it, it, I went from, I was having a lot of momentum going and I was like a lot of like in-person stuff, a lot of live shows. Like it really felt like, you know, I was building up to something and then it was suddenly like cut off. And then, you know, my process was like, I just like left everything alone. I just didn't do anything for a few months or something like, yeah. I was just like, I, I just want to be in what is happening and just kind of observe and just, you know, be chill. Right. But through that absence of activity, I ended up writing a book and, you know, yeah. making an album and, you know, um, really, you know, doing so, so many different things. Like I, I started like a Twitch page, like I started like um, a TikTok. I did. I have a Substack newsletter that I write.
1: Oh, you know, awesome. And
0: all this stuff ended up kind of coming together to build this like new artistic persona for me. And, it, and it's worked really well. Um, But it wasn't like something I planned. And I don't think I would have been even able to do it if it weren't for that kind of pause that happened.
1: I feel similarly where it's like, I don't think this would have taken the form that it has um, because I don't think I would have had like the kind of that space or opportunity for it because I wouldn't have known to craft that space for it.
0: Totally. Yeah. I mean, blessing in disguise, let's say.
1: Yeah, it's like it wouldn't have occurred to me. And and it sounds like same thing where even though you had in the back of your mind like someone should write a book about this, you were it sounds like you were pleasantly surprised that it was like, it's you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, because I was thinking it's just like, well, I was there the whole time. Right. So it's like, damn, I might as well write it.
1: And I'm curious, like, what when you're writing like your substack and when you're writing the book, like what subjects are you drawn to and do you feel that that's changed over this time or like, I guess, how has that evolved?
0: I think my big thing with writing now, because I I used to write in for a pitchfork, I used to do like music journalism, you know, kind of around the same time that I first started putting out music mm-hmm. and I've always had interest in that like I feel like some of the stuff on, on my newsletter is just like I just want to write about music in a very pure way that isn't specifically like oh you know this uh corporation wants me to write about this band or something like I, I don't want to do that anymore I don't want to ever have to do something that somebody has asked me to do <laughs>
1: <laughs> I feel this in my soul yes <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: right but I feel like the kind of topics on, that I, I'm covering in the newsletter, my big key for writing is to write about things that only I can talk about. Mm. You know, I really want to tap into things that are very specific to me, very specific to my experience. And, you know, I I feel like the closer I get to like the essence of, you know, uh, a true feeling inside myself, um, the more people resonate with it. You know, and it seems to it seems to work very well in that way.
1: Yes. Yes. I like that. Like, you know, in a way it's like, you're, you're the only one that can be you. Um,
0: But I feel like a responsibility almost like, it's like, you know, you know, I had, I had this one essay that I wrote in, in the newsletter where I was talking about, you know, an old label situation that I had that was like very exploitative. It was like a bad label deal I had. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I've been like kind of holding inside for, you know, almost 15 years. Oh, wow. and then I just woke up one day, I was just like, you know, I'm gonna write about it. And it wasn't really anything super premeditated. But um, it really it hit with a lot of people. And, you know, I feel like it's just, you know, something that happened to me specifically, I I felt a responsibility to talk about it. You know, like, I felt like it's like, I I can speak to something that a lot of people are feeling right now. So I should, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, that that's become like kind of one of my guiding principles for, for everything I do, even with my music. Now it's like, I try to rap about things that is like, I can speak to this, you know, I can speak truth to power, you know, like I understand a lot more about, you know, Canadian politics, and I'm starting to make an impact, you know, in municipal politics. And I'm talking all these different, <laughs> like, I don't know, I'm getting into like these weird um, places that I never thought I ever would in the last couple of years where it's like, I'm having like city councilors are calling me yes. up and stuff. And, and you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, what, how can we make Toronto better? You know?
1: That's wonderful. That's, I actually, my brain literally went to, are you in city council meetings? And then I was like, do they have those in Canada? And I was like, yes, they must, Pam. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, they do. Um, and the thing was like over the pandemic, oh. I started watching them for the first time, like, cause they were uh, like virtual, you know? Yeah. and. Uh, I was like, wow, oh, this is how things get done. Yeah. And also I was just like, who the fuck are these people? Really, yeah. you know, like, I was like, who are these people? Like, who voted for them? Like, is, and I started looking, doing more research and being like, oh, um, they only won by like 200 votes or something. It's like, I don't know. My, my big thing has been trying to get people more politically engaged and just more socially aware, you know, because I feel like our, our society will be better off for it.
1: Yes, and that it starts on that granular level that I think that so many people are focused on. And I do think it is important to focus on global politics and and things like that, but realizing what impacts the community is often the local politics. And like you said, you're like, who are these people? How did they get here? (laughs) 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 What happened here? Like my my dad is really active in like in local politics and uh, like as a city commissioner and like does all of like the like different neighborhood council and city council things. And so I grew up kind of around that and had awareness around it. And in a way, like I remember, you know, sometimes quite honestly as a child being bored by it, but as an adult appreciating it more in a different way because like that's where community change happens because people are like, well, how could, how could such large change happen on even like a national level? And it's like, well, you have to like scale it back down because you can see where it comes from. If you go to, it's kind of the chasing the turtles all the way down. Um,
0: I have a theory about this, though. Yes, about why politics are boring. Do they make I feel like they make it boring on purpose. So people don't want to be engaged and involved in it, especially young people you know, this is my theory, especially Canadian politics is so boring, and they make it sound super boring. They, you know, and they make the language as difficult to understand as possible. And they make it all like this council meetings at a really inopportunistic time for you to check it out. And it's all by design, really, to keep us out of the process, you know, and so I felt really in you know, engage to get people excited about politics and make it more interesting and like rapping about it and stuff.
1: Yeah. You know? that's a phenomenal theory, and I think you're on to something. Because I, I know people who watch. I don't know if they have a an equivalent in Canada, but have you ever witnessed C-SPAN?
0: Yes, I have witnessed it.
1: That's the best way I know of to to talk about C-SPAN because it's not like you actively watch it. Um, I know people that use it to like fall asleep. Like
0: it's it it's like watching a glacier.
1: <laughs>
0: <Yes>. <laughs> it it is moving, but very slightly.
1: <laughs> You're like, I know that it's moving, but I'm not sure if I can even perceive it. <laughs> like... <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> like... <laughs> So bringing bringing life to it and bringing interest to it, so people can actually be involved in it, I think is very important, um, because people like being emotionally involved in things. I was I was reflecting on that even, like I was uh, at the start of the pandemic. I ended up in what we called the quarantine. team. Mm-hmm. Um, several of my friends and I like to creatively co-work together a few times a week. So we were all together anyway. And and what we decided was like, one, like if one of us has it, probably all of us do, because like we're all just hanging out all together, like the four of us all the time. And we're like, also, we probably would be better as a team instead of each of us trying to like, we don't know how long this is gonna go on.
0: <laughs> so yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anybody who studied the spanish flu knew how long this was going on um but um i digress into Mm -hmm. that's my test for neurodivergence by the way if ever i bring up the spanish flu and people are like of course i researched that like didn't anybody else research that i was like fellow adhd (laughs) person um but like we were like, well, why don't we be a team? Um, and so those were the only people I saw for months. Um, and then the two of them work as journalists, and so one is more of a photojournalist and, and long form writer, and the other um, long form writer, book writer, different stuff. But they both started covering what was going on with uh, like all of the all of the protests and all of the movements that started in LA in like late spring. And so it was fascinating seeing how politically involved people became when there was the emotional involvement mm. that, and also it seemed to come right at the point where people were feeling emotionally disconnected because we had been isolated.
0: Absolutely. I mean, that is what happened with me. Exactly. You know, um, cause I was, you know, at home, like everyone else, we were stuck at home. And for me, a big catalyst was, uh, George Floyd being murdered. Mm-hmm you know, and all the protests after that, and just seeing everyone getting together and just seeing the power of, you know, collective movement, you know, it really inspired me, you know, and I it started making me think, you know, this is something I want to talk about more in my music, you know, and just seeing also um, how the media started, you know, discussing racial issues that they never would have talked about before, you know, starting to use like language, you know, talking about like microaggressions and, you know, really, delving in talking about like systemic racism it's like the first time i've ever heard that on like cnn like i'm like what yeah. and really feeling like oh i'm actually being seen really for the first time and and it's like this is a, the time for me to really go all in and talk about this stuff cuz you know it, it, people are really like listening for the first time you know so it really inspired me a lot and you know i feel like everyone i know is more politically engaged than they ever have been you know and i feel like this is a really, you know, I feel like we're, we're losing momentum now that, you know, people have decided that, you know, the virus is done or whatever. Hmm. But I just felt like for a while, we really all had our minds in the right direction. And I feel like I just, you know, we've got some elections coming up here in Canada. Hmm. And I'm really just trying to rally the troops, get some events together, get people excited and, and motivated um, for some political change.
1: Yes, and being able to have that emotional involvement because what you said about that people you know are having this moment of almost like COVID aphasia, um, where people can't hold on to something that distressing for that long, like it actually stresses us out to the point that, that we can't deal with it. So in some ways, that does have to go up and down because if we just think the whole time about how distressing something is, we just end up being you know much like most of us were for the first few months of this, kind of just like. Freaked out tiny potatoes. <laughs> like, <laughs> just Sitting there being like, oh, no. Um,
0: yeah, no, I, I mean, we can't just sit here in our snuggies. Right. And uh, just kind of do nothing forever. Like, right. I have a couple of friends who are doing that still. Um, and, you know, I mean, it's like everyone's comfort level, whatever it is for yeah. you. You know, I don't want to, you know, you know, I, I'll, I'll afford anyone whatever comfort they need. But I also feel like, um, you know. You can get out of the Snuggie.
1: I was gonna say it can it can come in cycles where it's like yes comfort the distress of that and have you know risk assessments that are good for you and the collective where it's like we don't want to do harm to ourselves and others um so please you know anybody listening please think of that do you like to harm yourself and others maybe don't mm-hmm. um <laughs> But to be able to capture that that feeling of, like you said, being seen for the first time, in a way it's almost like right now we're going through a phase where people must have their heads in the sand a bit again. And it's like bringing that back up again, but being able to bring that up in a positive way through art and through connection, as opposed to through horrifying events like the murder of George Floyd, where it's like, how do you spark emotion like that through connection as opposed to collective, say, outrage?
0: Um, yeah, I feel like it's it's good to lead with creativity and 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 lead in, in a place that is artful um, rather than um, leading from a place of capitalism, right? Which is what I see a lot of, right? And there's a, a lot of this is like, let's get this show back on the road, you know? Yeah. And, it, you know, think about this, like, yeah, as an artist, like, you know, I'm getting back into like playing festivals and stuff. I've got some shows coming up and yeah, there's definitely a, a large amount of anxiety around the entire thing, you know? Cause it's just kind of like, our safety is no longer a priority and yeah. we need to make a living and we need to, you know, and we want to have that connection with people and we want to, you know, be together with the audience. Um, but there's really, we're just kind of you know, between, a, we're stuck between a rock and a hard place, you know?
1: Uh, and I'm glad you're speaking to that. Cause I've, I've been reading posts from musicians that non-musicians, of course are disappointed when, when someone cancels a show and things like that. And, you know, but I feel like, especially people who don't work in the arts, hopefully will explore why a musician would do that. And the impact that it has then on your favorite musicians, that it's like, it's not just the the disappointment of, oh, we can't play, but to know that it's like, that's a very fraught choice to have to make because then you as the artist, like lose that income and may in fact lose quite a bit. Um, And so I don't think it's a decision that people take lightly to do things like cancel shows.
0: I don't think people totally understand what it means. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, they'll just postpone the show and they'll be back and whatever. It's like we need to get away from this idea of thinking of artists as like our own like personal like Pokemon that's just going to like show (laughs) up whenever we want you know, and, and yes. as long as they're, as long as they're entertaining us, like, everything's great, you know, um, because it's, like, for people I know who have had to postpone tours because people have gotten COVID, um, it's a calamity, it's, like, a complete disaster, it's, like, the worst thing ever, so much money goes, it goes into, like, putting together these tours, people don't really understand that, it's super expensive, you know, I did a tour in the fall of the States, and every day, like, we were testing constantly, and just trying to, like, we had to mitigate our behavior in a in, in in a way that we never used to have to you know and all of it was totally new and like scary and we we managed to get through it but you know i just feel like going forward is like people don't understand it's like to when i see somebody with like a huge amount of tour dates like i'm i'm like praying for them you know like i'm like
1: yes
0: you got to get through this but it's like you know there, it feels like the audience isn't helping us the venues the government no one is helping us uh with you know being able to go from one show to the next because it only takes like one misstep
1: yeah yeah and that affects not just the artist but your entire crew yeah like and yeah I, I feel like audiences might be more on board if they had knowledge of it like that's that's always my hope is that when people have more knowledge like I'm always a fan of hey if you discover more information you can always change your view on something now that you have more information.
0: Yeah, that'd be nice. I, I mean, would like that would <laughs> that, be great. I just, I feel like um, this thing that I've noticed just over the pandemic too is that, I think um, music is one of those things that people only appreciate when it's not there. Mm. Um, like I feel like you know when there were no festivals there's not no one was able to even like produce new music and there was that absence of it in people's lives people were what were people doing they were going back to their old favorites they were going back oh let me watch them oh thank god for Netflix so I've got to go watch a movie or like you know that was entertainment is what got so many of us through the pandemic right but then when it's like when we ask something of the audience like can you like just help us please and you know wear a mask at the show, like, please, um we're not really getting the same support, you know?
1: Right, right. Yeah, I remember, wasn't it Bowie that was talking about like the danger of having almost like the faucet of music where it's
0: like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, well, he was talking about the internet too. Yeah, like,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm like, I don't remember the exact quote of it, but it was like the danger of things being too accessible in a way that then you take it for granted so that then it's it kind of like ties into even how I think about like, you know, when people talk about like privilege where it's like you then perceive as something being taken from you just because you're used to it being there. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there really? questioning, why am I used to this always being here? Is this here for everybody? Like, why is this thing here all the time? <laughs> well, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> well, that's funny. Yeah. That's something I also noticed over, over the past couple of years is like seeing um, people feel oppressed for the first time. <laughs> I mean yeah. like wait a second, you know like, you know, so many people especially in Canada with like the convoy that they had these oh, truckers yeah. <laughs> you know like and it's like seeing, you know, I I had some tweets that went viral and stuff and people were sitting trying to like convince me, people were like I'm a huge fan of you and it's like you don't understand like, you know, um, you know, we want to get out there and see you play soon and we're tired of all these restrictions and you know like I'm trying to my hardest to be empathetic, but I'm also like you have never been oppressed in your life, and you, you aren't able to like i don't know go into a cheese store and like you know without a mask on, like come on, man, fuck you,
1: May that that's be how I feel the thing that happens to you <laughs> like no
0: like come on, and now it's yeah. like it's all over or whatever just and it, and now it's just okay, cool, everyone gets to feel unsafe.
1: Yeah, that's the thing like, that's right. very strange to me. is just like great. Like, did you see like uh like the tweets about like people like, you know, once there were the announcements like mid flight that they could take their masks <laughs> off? I was just like, all I could think is I was just like, oh my God, if I were in an emergency exit row, I would have been like, do I just hop out now? Like, yeah. <laughs> like...
0: that to me is so corny. <laughs> no offense, but it's very American sounding to me. Like it's like. It's like um, the death drive, oh. We're like cheering on our own demise. It's like, come yes. on, like, yes. look out for yourself.
1: <laughs> that's yeah. it's really it really I don't know if you saw my like my eye twitch in response, because that's I do feel I, I'm like, I'm with you on this where it's strange being from Los Angeles um, growing up like, you know, I, I always describe myself as like I'm off brand white. Hmm. Um, because i'm jewish and so like to most people i am perceived as just like like quirky white um but then there are other people that like want to kill me with pitchforks and they're a small minority but they're they're vocal about it with the you know pitchforks um and so it's it's a strange place to be because it's it's a liminal of like white or not white Mm -hmm. um and then same thing of like like the privilege of growing up like in like an upper middle class neighborhood in Los Angeles, I feel in some ways very divorced from a lot of American culture, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: where like I perceive like things like this, like you said about that death drive and things like that. And I, I also think in some ways in Jewish culture, it's very focused or at least my family and where I grew up was, about like community and sadaka and helping others and looking at what is your impact on the world? Like, that's one of like the main tenets of like Jewish culture is like, how do you care for the world? How do you care for those around you? And so it's so at odds with this like extraordinary sense of individualism. That's almost like, why are you punching yourself? That like, Mm -hmm. when I witness it, I'm just like, how did that happen? I'm like, I technically did grow up in the same country. So like, how did I not get inculcated with that? I don't think I run about punching myself in the face. What are you doing? <laughs> like- yeah.
0: No, it's a strange culture thing. Like, I mean, we have we have the same thing here in Canada, you know, where, you know, there's the there's the ugly Canadian as well. Like we have that too. And it's really making me think like like why why don't people understand like what this really is? Like this whole the pandemic, like for me, it really is, you know, I'm not a super any specifically religious type person, but it's like it seems like whatever is governing the universe is sending us a message, <laughs> like clearly, right? Like this is not nothing, like it's something. And it maybe is indicating that maybe we're not cooperating enough, you know? Maybe it's indicating we're not treating the, the 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 planet the way that we should be, you know? And it's like, listen, you know, time out to, to all y'all. You know, this is yeah. like, we're gonna, I'm gonna hit you with like this plague, unless you find a way to get along and cooperate. And it's like, we're not listening and we're not understanding that. And we're cheering as soon as we can take the mask off.
1: Yeah, it's it's so, I don't know the way that my partner put it. He said, he's just like, it's like, you know, in the beginning of a zombie movie, you don't know who the zombies are gonna be. He was like, in this one, we know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely.
1: That's- and I was just like ouch also yes <laughs>
0: like- Well because here it's like um the ones that are walking around doing the 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 parades and stuff um they're holding American flags here They're 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 very influenced by American um fake news and stuff
1: Oh I'm you know? very sorry about that That's a- uh <laughs> It's
0: like- really weird. It's like I've never seen that before ever like people holding like Confederate flags you know, like in swastikas and stuff, and like, it's like this is not like a part of our culture, really. Like, so it's kind of like, you know, it's just you were just on like Fox News or something, or like you just what? like on on some like, you know, Alex Jones like website or something, and like you're learning this stuff from America. It's like because it's not in, in Canadian history, really.
1: Yeah, I literally was trying to figure out why someone from Canada carrying Confederate
0: what <laughs> I mean, it's like insane it's yeah,
1: i'm trying to yeah. you're you watching me attempt to process this in my brain's like why would someone from another country be that concerned with the state's rights to treat people as people in another country 200 years ago what
0: well that's my thing it's like that's how unoppressed you are you know that's how unoppressed <laughs> these people are that they have to like co-opt someone else another country's oppressive past
1: yes yes even someone's perception of oppression because i'm Mm -hmm. just like that mm, that is so very strange i wonder what it is about humans that like that we want to be oppressed or we want to be aggrieved or we want to be a victim of something that even people who haven't been victims of something are like really keen to feel that way
0: well i'll tell you what i never do (laughs) 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 <laughs> because it's, it's been a hard life you know and um I don't want to be the victim I actually want to um move beyond that and just be able to create and be supported and that's starting to happen after you know almost 20 years of doing this thing you know um yeah. so I am not ever going to be uh, playing the victim
1: yeah like that and that also—it's funny that you're like the twenty years. Like, I love when people are like, "Oh my gosh, this person's like an overnight success." And I'm just like, <laughs> "How long is your night?" I think that your night gauge might be off.
0: <laughs> no, I know. Like you, yeah, you'll see. Like um, in Canada, we have the Junos. I've never been nominated for one yet, but I'm sure, you know, a couple of years from now, I'll be nominated for best new artist. Yes. <laughs> and that'll be that'll be the joke.
1: Yes. <laughs> <gasps> yeah, and to be to want to be a support and connection as opposed to a victim um because I mean in a way like all of us at some point have been wronged on some scale obviously some people like to magnify that scale um but at the same time we all have the agency to uh help one another and to kind of engender that which kind of in a way undoes the victim mentality because like Oh, my gosh. One of one of my clients sent me a video that uh, was just like entering my villain era. Mm. But when I when I watch, I love it when clients, by the way, in my therapy practice, send me stuff before sessions to be like, here's this meme that encapsulates what we will cover in the session. And I'm like, thank oh. you, treasure.
0: Oh,
1: yes. So FYI, anyone listening, send your therapist memes, TikToks like we love this.
0: Oh, I never send my therapist memes. Oh. I, I didn't know that was an option. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was like, I have opened up another secret menu for you now. Wow. Um, but I, I love it because it gives me great insight into what my. it's like when a client brings in or when you bring something to a friend or a mentor or anybody where you're just like, here's the song I want you to hear. Or like, oh, my God, you have to read this book. It gives you insight into like, where is this person at? Um, mm,
0: that's yeah. actually that's a really good point is um I. I was just reading about who is this artist who said this. Um I can't I can, I can, I don't want to take credit for this but it's I can't think of the artist right now but they were talking about they wanted to um split the difference between how we act on Instagram versus how we communicate on iMessage. Right? And that's that's cool. like the that's like the real us is the way we will text with each other. And I feel like that's memes too. I feel like memes yeah. really you know i feel like i communicate with my partner um my girlfriend like with with memes more than anything you know it's like that's like you know there's some some very romantic memes there's some memes that i will always associate with her and it's it is like it's funny how it's such a big part of um communicating with someone you know
1: yes yes i have definitely i was like the sheer chaos of the tiktok dm between me and my person cracks me up. It's like one second. It'll be like, here's how like our attachment style has like really helped heal our trauma. And then the next video is like, do you want to put these like sticky button things around the house so that that way our phones can control our home by like tapping them
0: <laughs> like, it's like, Whoa, yeah it's
1: so cool there's it, it instead of having like a smart home it's it's basically like a little metallic qr code sticker but it can link to your phone oh yeah what i'll send you the tiktok it was fascinating Oh,
0: i'm trying i'm i have a i have a no tiktok diet right now like i'm just oh. kind of like
1: I will not be a TikTok because um, was when
0: I started. It's hard to stop. I think yeah. they designed it that way.
1: I but think we're <laughs> on to something. <laughs> like. Yeah,
0: I feel like it's like um, it moves very quickly, and it and it, the way it just serves up exactly what you want, right?
1: That app um, learned me faster than any other app, and like definitely has shown me. Like, I actually have have learned a lot from that app. Frankly,
0: I I agree. I actually did learn a ton from it. I was. You know, but that, I feel like that's also by design because it's like, it wants you to feel like, see, you've got something out of it. So come on back now, you right. hear?
1: You want the dopamine? Come on in.
0: Maybe I'll give you a, a try again. I don't
1: know. Oh my God. I was just like, I'm so sorry to be your gateway back into TikTok. Um, but yeah, that communication through memes and even like what uh, what my client sent me was like entering their villain era. But when I watched the video, it was all about like what happens when you actually establish uh, boundaries with people with whom you didn't previously have boundaries. And that they can react very poorly even when your boundaries are there to maintain your relationship. Mm. Um, and I love the analogy in the video was about, you know, like say you've gone to this hotel before and they had a 24-7 kitchen, but mm-hmm. then you go to the hotel and their kitchen hours have changed. You might then be very angry that you do not have 24-7 burritos because your expectation was 24-7 burritos, but now they're like. No, it is only burritos between these hours, and you're just like, well, now I'm mad that I'm not getting a burrito at two am. But if it had always been, here's the kitchen hour, <laughs> you wouldn't be angry about no two am burrito <laughs>
0: like... <laughs> I like that no, so so the idea is you know if you set your boundaries earlier, yes, yeah, I need I that's a big uh problem for me. I don't know if you want to get to work
1: <laughs> right now or something. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, um, second, yes. we transition to another style. Mm. Um, yeah, well, boundaries are hard. And you were even speaking to them earlier of what to share with people and how much of yourself to share in your artistic expression and what you put out publicly versus how much is private. And especially, like, I mean, I feel that way as an artist too, where it's like, I want to share with people. I want to connect with people. And I find myself sometimes overextending myself simply because I enjoy connecting with others. And then I realize, like, Oh, hold up a second. Like, is that where I actually, Ooh.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, it's like, for me, it's like, just the way I am. It's like, I want to just give everyone everything, you know, like I want to just give all of myself, you know, in the performance or just, you know, even on social media, like when people message me, I respond to everyone, every single person. And I like, Acknowledge every person. And it's kind of like it's so time consuming. Yeah. And and it's like I feel like it like emotionally exhausted after. And it's like, damn, why am I doing this? It's like making me like too tired to even like make music.
1: Yeah. You know, and
0: it's like, and it's just like I just I know most people just don't even respond. And I'm just like, but you know, I don't want them to be sad or something, you know. It is. I don't know. I, I'm just trying to like split the difference with that because it's like I need to be. You know, I need to give myself as much time and space like in real life. And it's like, you know, there's a lot of stuff I'm writing about in my my newer music, you know, just, mm-hmm. um, you know, about reality versus Instagram, you know,
1: yeah, you
0: know, that, that iMessage versus Instagram kind of thing. I
1: love that iMessage versus Instagram because, yeah, like, I don't know where I'm more chaotic. Probably iMessage. I mean, I'm relatively chaotic on Insta. To be fair.
0: Oh, you know who said that? It was um Minaj. Minaj. Ah.
1: Yeah,
0: okay. I was I was listening to a podcast with him. Shout awesome. out to him. I feel like yes. we would be really good friends if we hung out. So. Yes. If you're listening, what's up?
1: Oh, <laughs> I. By the way, I have had people. It's very interesting. I've had people either on the pod, um, asynchronously, that then I've connected like Hmm. afterwards like I, I just was interviewing someone this morning that I was like oh you must speak to this other person it's like it's this very strange thing where because like I mean I'm sure this happened prior to the pandemic but like because we've all been in these little virtual spaces it almost has become easier in a way and I don't know if you've experienced this but like There's fewer boundaries between people in the virtual space where you're like, oh, I'll just connect you over email or like, oh, I can just like send you a group DM or like something like that where people are more open to it now. Mm -hmm. Uh, I
0: mean, it's hard for me to really, I can't really tell because people are always trying to get me to do stuff all the time. Um, (laughs) And that just is unceasing. And it's just always like constantly getting messages. But maybe it's, it's, I feel like, Now it's for initially, I would say it was like a lot more like, yo, let's get together and like have a video chat or something. And that became more normal.
1: Yes. Yes. Like there's there's an accessibility, I feel, that became more normalized. But what you're speaking to does, I mean, that also does speak to boundaries of being able to have a graceful no. That's how one of my friends put it.
0: Yeah, that's my one of my new things is learning how to say no.
1: It's hard.
0: It is very hard for me. Um, you know, like I want to make people happy. That's what you know. What I want to do with my music is like I want to teach people things and make people happy and just bring um, positivity to the world and stuff. You know, and um, is you know. But I'm I'm noticing now, especially just you know, as things get you know more busy for me and more interesting, or whatever. Like I I see there's just an extractive quality to how people are reaching out to me and it's um it's also making me feel kind of sad (laughs) you know because it's like damn like you know it was like my birthday a few months ago and people were like happy birthday it's like by the way um I want to run something by you (laughs) it's like yo man you could have waited a day
1: just give me a grace period you know (laughs) (laughs) yes um Mm, I was just like, I have definitely experienced that. And it's very uncomfortable.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's like, especially when it's like people, like maybe who you haven't talked to in a really long time. And it's like someone you're not super connected with anymore. And it's just, it's so obvious what happened. Like, it's like, oh, they see that I'm popping right now. And they're like, oh yeah, like he'd be great for this project that I have. Like people, there's so many people I think that see you know the world as just like their tools Mm -hmm. you you know like it's like they see everyone is just like you're going to be a a character in my play and you're going to do this thing for me and it's just what I can extract from everyone around me that's what people are like often
1: I was gonna say like that does sound like the the mythologizing and main character syndrome that we were speaking of prior that it's like whereas it sounds like you on the other hand of almost like kind of too much of a wellspring of empathy for others, which is a very good thing. Um, I, I feel that way often where it's like, I have to remember that it's a good instinct that I want to care for everyone, that I want to attend to everyone in the way you were saying, like responding to everybody. But that in order to do that, I have to then, like you said, like protect my own self not because they're attacking me or anything, but just to like have that energy for them creating things because that's the worst feeling. I've had that feeling, by the way, where I've communicated all day with people. And then I'm like, oh, I'm going to sit down to write. And I sit there and I'm just like, huh. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's
0: like, damn, drained.
1: Yes, yes. And so it's learning to use that judiciously and knowing that it's not a bad instinct, but sometimes you can direct that instinct towards yourself of like, oh, I can actually care for myself in this way. And in a way, like thinking about learning to say no in a way that actually makes your yes far more powerful because you actually do have the option of no. Yeah,
0: you know, and it's been actually um, changing the way that I collaborate with people. This this impulse, like um, when people are not instantly trying to extract something from me, mm-hmm. uh, it makes me want to work with them. Because it's yeah. like, it because it actually makes me feel like, oh, I actually really like this person or like, you know, yeah. Like somebody the other day, you know, I just like their energy. And I was just like, I would work with them. You yeah. know, it's like, it's, it, that's all it takes, yeah. you know, but um you know, something happened the other day where it was like a, an old friend of mine texted me mm-hmm. and I was bracing for the ask. Yes. And what happened is it, it, it didn't come she was just like you know i haven't talked to you in a while i just wanted to see how you're doing Yeah, and i was like so touched <laughs> like, oh. it, was, it was it was very meaningful to me i was just like oh my gosh you're so nice thank you you don't know how nice this is so that goes to anyone listening to this if you can just message somebody that you're thinking about or whatever and just say hi and just and for no reason go for it because you never know what that'll mean to somebody
1: love that like just just go and be a person with someone
0: yeah
1: like it's truly valuable like I was thinking last night I was spending time with um one of my partner's friends who I'd like met in passing but like I hadn't really spent time with her um and we ended up like going out to a thing together but being quite late to the thing for various reasons actually helicopters were involved. Um, and then like, we were just chatting in the car on the way back. And then she was like, Oh, I'd love to spend more time with you. And she had actually invited me up to just like have tea with her. And it was so nice that there was no, there was nothing other than like, Oh, let's just hang out and have a good talk and get to know one another. And it was my first time in her home and I met her cats and like, oh yes and like things like that where it's like where someone is just showing up and being like hey can we just like be people together without any sort of because like an I mean, I'm from LA, so I'm allowed to, it's so funny. It's like your own family where you're like, only I'm allowed to criticize my family, no one else. (laughs) Um, But I do find this happens with people who aren't from LA who come to LA that socialize with the purpose of, like you said, that they're casting people in these roles for them, Mm -hmm. um, very much like, you know, almost like set pieces, but discarding the fact that they're people. Where sometimes people want to hang out with you in LA for a specific reason to make something together to better their career, whatever it is. But it's very rare that someone will just be like, You're cool. I'm cool. Mm -hmm. Want to be cool together?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, with no ulterior motive, which is nice. But I mean, you know, uh, shout out to them because I have felt like that before. Like I think many years ago, like, you know, I think it comes from a place of like anxiety or like insecurity, where it's like, you're, you're trying too hard to make something happen, you know, where, where, where there is no vibe. Yes. You know? And it's like, I feel like I've done that before probably, you know, and it's like, so I don't, I don't try, I try not to be too hard on people about it. Cause like, I, I know the feeling, like, it's like, you know, there've been times where it's like, in my mind, it's like, I know that this collaboration would work out, but maybe they don't see it yet, Yes. you know? And that's like, you know, and maybe they never will, but it's, you know, I think it's just about how, you, you know, approaching it in a humanistic way.
1: Yeah. I remember back when I very first started making music, I remember wondering how to get in touch with people about writing about my music. And that's actually how I met podcast producer, Laura. And she was the first person who wrote about like the first demo I put out really like, over 10 years ago. And then like, I loved what she wrote and she and I started chatting more. And then I found out like she was like in LA and we became really good friends. And I remember then reading, um, you know, like advice. on like, how to get your music to journalists. And it was like, befriend journalists. And on one hand, I was like, that is so sketchy to just like be friends with someone for a purpose like that. I was just like, who would do something like that? And then I realized I was like, wait, but it's different if it's a genuine friendship and kinship where you can help one another. Cause for instance, I realized then I was just like, I couldn't like say do that to just every journalist. I would only do that with people that I'd actually be friends with. But then the people that I'd actually be friends with are actually more likely to be the people that would write about me anyway.
0: Yeah, you know, it's like funny. It's like, we have a problem doing that as artists, but that's actually just traditional like business networking. That's just how it works. Like you meet people and then further down the line, you're like, oh, this person would be good for this project or something, right? Yeah. and it's like very hard for us to see things in those terms without being like oh i don't want to be extractive or whatever you know
1: yeah yeah like it's like i don't want to be transactional but i discovered that as long as i'm forming genuine relationships it's not it's not that way i think if i was forming like disgenuine relationships it it might feel that way but for better or worse i'm really bad at doing that
0: <laughs> well, you know i think the spirit decides you know, you can tell the spirit behind something, you know, so it's like, you know, you know, when uh, something is coming from a real place of genuine enthusiasm, and like, you know, um, positivity, and where something's coming from a place of like, anxiety and desperation, and exploitation, (laughs) you know, it's like, you can, you can sense it, you know, so,
1: yeah. It's kind of fascinating to reflect back on that. I was just like, Yeah, yet again, if you had told me like over a decade ago, by the way, Laura's going to be your podcast producer, I'm going to be like, she's going to be doing what? I don't even know what a podcast is. (laughs) Like
0: (laughs) Well, that that reminds me, you know, of my friend Scott, who has become my creative director for a lot of my stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I knew him many, many years ago um, when he was more just a photographer. Mm -hmm. And I remember like this. We've known each other for almost like 20 years. And it's like when I first knew him, it was like we were just I was just like I crashed on his couch you know, and, and it was just kind of, I was like, oh, thanks, man, you know, and then I didn't see him for, like, many, many years, and then it was like, oh, yeah, I started seeing him doing, like, these different album covers and starting to do these projects for artists and stuff, and I was just like, hey, man, like, I want to reconnect, you know, and I feel like we should, you know, talk, have some coffee and, like, talk about some ideas and stuff, and mm-hmm. it ended up being, like, just a revolutionary thing for my music and and how it's, how it's been presented, you know? Oh. So you never know. That's another thing in music that I always try to tell people is like, you know, it's good to just be nice to people because you never know when you're going to see someone again, you know? Yeah. It could be like 20 years later and you know, you you don't know what what life will will do, you know?
1: Yes. I love um the wisdom of my friend Micah's family like literally cuz uh, he's uh, he's Willie Nelson's youngest kid. And like everyone in that family is just lovely and wonderful. And I remember asking him like, you know, how did you turn out that way? I mean, I kind of knew how you turned out that way, but like, what was the family culture? And he's just like, oh, well, the main tenant is just like, don't be an asshole.
0: Absolutely. That was I it.
1: Mean, <laughs> like, I, think, I love that.
0: <laughs> I think that's the key to the longevity. Don't be an asshole.
1: Yes. <laughs> I was like, that is sage advice because you're right. You never know what's going to happen. And all of us do, like you said, like, I'm sure I've had my moments too, or I'm anxious about something or I'm up in my head. And so I'm not acting out of a genuine place. I think all of us have had those moments, but for the most part, it's like, just, just be kind.
0: Yeah. I think, you know, be kind and I think the rest will follow.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, thank you so much. You've been so generous with your time today.
0: Oh, thank you for having me. Oh, this has been lovely.
1: Thank you again for listening to this episode of Why Not Both. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to like us and subscribe to us on your preferred podcast platform. You can also come hang out with us on social media. We are at WNB the podcast, both on Instagram and on Twitter. This season, we are brought to you by Under the Radar magazine. Under the Radar is a nationally distributed print, music, and entertainment magazine and website. You can find them at www.undertheradarmag.com and feel free to support them on Patreon. Extra special thanks to our producer, Laura Studeris, who is literally a rock star. Thanks again, and I look forward to seeing you next episode.